Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with Treyas. And let's talk sports. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to episode 23 of Amateur Hour. Today, we have a very exciting episode for everybody. Very, very exciting. Trey, can you believe that we're on 23? Jordan. Oh my God, it's the Jordan episode. It's the Jordan episode. But we have nothing about Michael Jordan to talk about. No, my, but my tongue is going to be out the whole episode, I think. <laughs> You're just going to be like hovering in the air, insane hang time, manipulating a basketball in ways that no human could ever do. And then you're going to GM a dying franchise and make some poor decisions, but then kind of give them hope this year. Kind of give them hope this year, yeah. I mean, Lamella was a good draft pick and signing Gordon Hayward was not, that was not a good decision. I don't know. So it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. How many games did he realistically help you win? Five? Probably five. Because he's hurt. He's hurt all the time. He was In the beginning of the season, everyone was like, wow, this is a revelation. He's back. And then, yeah, he was no. hurt. <laughs> he was hurt a lot. A lot. Me, as a Gordon Hayward hater, is laughing. I get the last laugh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, re- I remember why I didn't like him on the Celtics. Because <laughs> of his glass bones. I mean, I, d- um, I did hope... I do hope that... Um, we, you know, fill some holes because I wish you kind of had Terry Rozier around around this time. You know, he was the kind of guy, it's just, again, we've talked about this a million times, but I'm going to beat the dead horse and I'm going to talk about it again. There are so many players who just did not work under Brad Stevens' system, and when they were able to go to another organization with a different game plan, these people thrived. Terry Rozier being example A of that. I mean, he was okay. There were times, especially in the playoffs, where the dude looks like he was afraid of the ball that he was dribbling. Where he's like, oh, 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 oh. You know, like it just, it, some of his dribble moves were whack. But then he goes and he gets the opportunity, he gets the minutes, and he balls the hell out. Yeah. So many players that's happened to. It was like, it was like the 2018 playoffs. Was it? Yeah. The, or... That's what I'm thinking of. Yep. Yeah. The 2017, 2018 season, those playoffs, but like in a full season. Terrorizer this year. If only we could have had that. Because dang, do yeah. we need a do we need a healthy point guard? You saw the news about Kemba, right? Kemba's looking to bye bye. Yeah, I don't want to break up. Yeah, you don't want to break up with him. I'm I'm ready to move on. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm, re- I'm ready to move on. But I'm also like, who do we have? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, which we will answer as time. Let's us know who we're gonna have on the roster this coming year with Brad Stevens as our general manager, but. Yeah, dude, I I don't know. We're, so, but today today I know it's the Jordan episode, but we're not going to be talking about a whole lot of basketball. I know it, it's shocking. So, for all of you non basketball stands out there, all those people who like some hockey, who like some baseball, this episode will be for you. Before we get started, I'm going to jump right into the weekly highs. The weekly highs. So, my personal weekly high this week is that I was able to make the trip down to Manhattan, to New York City. I was able to get some real authentic New York chicken palm. It was phenomenal. 
And uh, what's an know? authentic New York chicken parm? I've never heard. I of don't know. I ha- no, I don't think. <laughs> I was like, I was ready. I was ready and committed to to believe in you, but I was like, wait a second, do they have like really good chicken parm? I'm assuming the sandwich you had was great. Oh, it was phenomenal. I think it's just, you know, after being in my house for so long mm. and being in like the same spot in the same town, that going to a city, like the sheer amount of people that I saw was overwhelming. I can't tell you how many nights has just been like me here with my computer, whether I'm editing, whether I'm working on another project, just yeah. just like me up in this like little den that I have. And then I go to like this city and there are just so many people. I was shocked. Have you been to New York recently? Well, not recently, but. No. When was the last time I went to New York? Probably at least five or six years ago. It's been a while. But did you like it? Yeah, I mean, I, I love New York when I go there. I've been to different spots. I don't usually go to the city a lot. Like, mm. like I've been to the Bronx, and I've mm. been to upstate New York. Mm. Upstate New York is, I mean, when they say that there's nothing, there's it's nothing. nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. The city, it's got to have been at least six years, if not more, exploring, like, Times Square and all that stuff. It was fun. I went with my family, yeah. Everybody has to go to Times Square once. I know it's the ultimate like tourist spot and quote unquote real New Yorkers are like, oh, you don't go to Times Square. Mm-hmm. But it's super cool to just see once. I mean, all the lights, all the advertisements. Mm-hmm. I'm getting all of my programming, you know. <laughs> hey, maybe one day we'll be on the Spotify billboard. It's true. You know, I'm actually thinking about pitching this podcast to Barstool, especially for our uh, basketball takes. Barstool, if you're listening, we're interested. We're interested. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so it was really cool to be in the city. It's expensive though, like no joke. Like I spent what was it one day there, and I was like, it is hard on your pockets. And people living there, like you can pay nineteen hundred dollars a month for like three hundred fifty square feet. Yeah, you get like a box. You get a, bo- a shoe box, a literal nest. It's insane. Nineteen hundred. Nineteen hundred is a lot. I mean. That's a what? That's a studio apartment too, probably, right? That's a but studio I'm, apartment. But that's yeah. probably like not even in in the city, because like I feel like if you're coming closer into the city, like into the heart of the city, like you have to be paying twenty two hundred, twenty three hundred plus. Like there's no like nineteen hundred probably on the on the lower side. I'm assuming. Probably, probably. I'm, Honestly, looking, probably. I'm looking at Boston apartments, and it's like hey, we're getting into twenty two hundred, twenty three hundred territory. If you don't want to be in Boston, seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, Is that for oh, studios too? It's probably, it pro- yeah. I'm, oh, no, not studios, not studios. For for one bedrooms, for one bedrooms. Okay. Yeah, nineteen hundred is probably on the the high the the higher side for for studios. But I mean, you could still get kind of jobbed with the amount of space you get on oh some of these God. places. Plus, some of them too. People don't realize having your own washer and dryer or like having a dishwasher. Not all apartments come with those. So sometimes you could be paying, yeah, like $1,700 a month and you look and you're like, oh, wow, I don't have any of the appliances that I, I normally use. I got like four miles for laundry. <laughs> oh, dude. Listen, I think the laundromat is a fun experience from time to time. When you need to do it every week, no, not fun. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. I will not walk more than 50 feet for laundry. I'm sorry. That's just not, that's just not a life I want to be living. <laughs> I'd rather like, yeah, if I have I'd to rather, walk more, if I have to walk 75 feet for laundry, shoot me. I'd rather just buy like dish detergent, max, like max out dish detergent and just wash my 
clothes Close in the, the sink, sink. <laughs> like then and then dry them all over the apartment then walk more than like 50 to, yeah it's 50 to 100 feet for a lot that just I, who's gonna do that i'm not i'm not lugging hulk, your clothes across the city yeah i'm not no. hulk hogan i, I don't have the <laughs> wherewithal and the, the body type to just carry so many clothes every two and weeks. the mental the mental fortitude as well that you need oh yeah, yeah yeah you need to be strong yeah to just to get up and do your laundry i'm like yeah. oh i'm really good at folding my laundry i find it kind of relaxing are you good at folding because that's the part mm-hmm. that always takes me the longest like i will wash I, my clothes but nah. they will sit in the hamper they will sit in the clean hamper in my room for average of three days no nah, because i like the feel of warm i like the feel of warm like just dried clothes yeah. So it just feels nice, especially in the winter. Like I like folding clothes because I'm like, oh man, this is the only mm-hmm. source of heat I can get. <laughs> 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 oh man, I'm like cuddling like my Please. old t-shirt. <laughs> the warmth from the shirt. Oh my, I've never felt such a sensation before. Goodness. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like it's like a raggedy towel. I'm like, wow, this is so warm. <laughs> your parents come and tray, you okay? Leave me be. Yeah, you know the you know the gain ads and like all the what is it, bounce dryer sheet ads and stuff and they're like all yeah. smelling their clothes. That's like me, but I'm like just huddling for warmth. I'm like, I, I've never <laughs> felt the touch of another person and then I'm like holding <laughs> Please, this is the only thing I have. <laughs> Don't take this from that's me. Funny. Oh, that's really funny. So yeah, uh, I, I agree. I it's just tough. Listen, props to you if you are one of those brave souls, because we're not knocking it. We're not. If you have to go to the laundromat, we are not knocking it. Mm-hmm. We are just giving you props because it is hard. Yeah, that's it's a not trek. fun. It's a trek. It's not fun. So if you do that, props to you. Absolutely. Okay. Um. So just real quick before we move on, because I want to get because Treyas actually has a really interesting topic that I want to talk about today. Before that, uh, I'm going to go my sports high. Uh, Phoenix Suns looking phenomenal. These guys, these boys, these young men, young talented men are. On fire. Not only is it 117 degrees in Arizona temperature wise, but it is 117 degrees on that basketball court, man. It's, they are crazy. The crowds have been electric. I remember the one, I guess, defining moment from the past couple of years at the Suns was that Charles Barkley rant on inside when he was like, Oh, mm. the, how do they sell chips, Charles? And he's like, Oh, the chips are stale. And they put they put pickles on their nachos. You remember that? Because when the the Suns were like horrendous, yep. And, and and Chuck was like going off on the Suns, but man, have they turned it around? Because this is a this is a Western Conference Finals team at this rate. So like, props to them, props to the organization for really putting it together, building around Devin Booker, finding the right floor general and Chris Paul, drafting DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, no, signing Chris Paul. I mean, we talked about it before. Signing Chris Paul was the best possible move they could have made. I mean, that yeah. man has elevated everybody on that team. I love I love what Mikael Bridges is bringing. I love Cameron yeah. Payne on this team. DeAndre Ayton, although he hasn't leveled up to number one overall pick status yet, I think he's, he's getting promise. there. He's he's he's, he's showing promise. promise. I think yep. he can. I think he can become like a top five pick by next year. I think, like in terms of worth. Mm, yep, terms yep, of yep, worth. yep. Well, he's and, certainly he's certainly not a bust. He's certainly not a bust, but he he just he just wasn't number one from the past couple of years he just wasn't playing like it and i think this playoffs he's really proven to me that he he can get there it's just gonna take a while yeah well i mean i think i'm sure you would agree that his biggest area of growth is probably defensively i mean you know he, he's a solid shot blocker but he reminds me of robert williams on the celtics and sometimes where he gets kind of caught 
if there's like a tough situation and there's like a, you know, like a quick pass, sometimes mm-hmm. he will make the wrong decision. Sometimes failure to close out things like yeah. that, because when you're playing like a five man set, especially against an all shooting team, you need to have your big man have the ability to close out right. in order to just protect the perimeter at all times. Right. But offensively, offensively, really he, can, he can definitely, I mean, in the past couple of years, he's been pretty inconsistent in his offensive production. I think he gets flustered in big moments or he did against big matchups and stuff. I just think he doesn't play to his potential. And then, you know, against the guys he knows he can beat, you obviously see him getting 20 and 10. But I think this playoff, he's been able to consistently get that double-double 2010 kind of potential. And even if he's not getting 2010, he's playing his role well and kind of feeding off of what Booker and Chris Paul are doing that he may only show 9 and 5 on the stat sheet, but it was a good nine and five. Like he didn't need to do more to win that game. Cause they're probably up double digits. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Shreyas, I, I'm sure you can agree with this as well, but as so much with so much of basketball is a mental game. Correct. So much of it is a mental sure. game with how you not only interact with your opponents, but how you interact with yourself. I just know, cause I remember playing with you at the rec center sometimes, and mm-hmm. you are by far like one of the best, like three point shooters I've played with. Like you just, you, your shot is so quick. You shoot it so well some days. But then, Shrey, I've seen days where like you you like lose your flow and you're just not like get, getting it and you're, no shots will fall. But then yeah. you have days where you're absolutely on fire. And as I've played more and gotten a little bit better, I've realized that it's not necessarily like a lack of skill that will make you have a bad day. It's like some kind of mental block or things like that. So you bringing up DeAndre Ayton, I'm thinking because he's young, dude. He's really still really young. He's literally right. like our age, if not younger than us. Yeah. And so imagine being on that stage. One one year of college too, I think. Exactly. He has a lot of time to mature. So Exactly. And so once he gets there, once he learns and he gives himself that confidence, he's going to become a different player. But he's, you know, sometimes we forget that these a lot of these NBA players, especially the really young ones, they're they're really young. They're kids. Yeah. It's crazy cuz he's already been in the league like 3 years, but honestly, he's only like 22, 23, like Exactly. It's crazy yep. how young these guys start out playing against grown men. And it takes a while to adjust. Like, I don't know, you don't really, if you play starting that early, you don't really hit your stride until year six, year seven. And then you're like, okay, if it's not happening by year six or year seven, then we got to start thinking, is this the right guy? Like, that's what you got to think. But we're not that, we're not at that stage yet for DeAndre. So, yep. Yep. I agree with that. Okay. Treyas, turn the vibes down. Take us into the lows. (laughs) The lows. All right, guys, let's go to the personal lows. I have no personal okay. lows today. That's huge. That's, that's huge. A big, that's a big yeah. day. Big week. I've, I'm, I'm excited because, I don't know, this was a really good week. I felt really good about this week. I wasn't feeling like – I was trying to think of something, you know, negative. And it's always really weird to think about things that happen negatively, but it's a good way to reflect. But I couldn't think of anything that was, like, out of the ordinary where I was like, dang, that really kind of – I've been thinking about that recently. And that's good because everything kind of has been a new day, fresh start, and I've kind of been living that way this week at least. So I'm good. Hopefully yes, sir. next week. Yes, sir. Keep, keep the positive vibes going. So Yes, sir. Yes, good. sir. That's good. Yeah. So I, then do what you love to do and the rest will follow. Absolutely. That's 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 a great that's a great motto right there. Now, going on to the sports negatives, there's a lot of those I can think of because I'm a <laughs> as, you know, people may know me as being a kind of a pessimistic sports fan i'm I, I i err on the side of pessimism because i'd rather be 
wowed and have someone you know exceed my expectations then have my expectations so high and then it's just not there you know what i mean Wants so, to be crushed yeah yeah so coming into game six for the bruins i wasn't feeling that great i knew that you know that we're still a shot to win because they had not technically lost but it's possible right they didn't realize their losses or their gains yeah right so it's not like it's done done but i was like the goal is obviously hobbled we didn't know what was going on until the exit interviews but the goal is obviously hobbled the defense is in shambles the defense especially on the power play was awful but you lose carlo you lose miller then you go into game six you're in nassau coliseum tough place to play to begin loud. with it, it was gets loud. really loud there yeah those fans they know that that stadium is going to be gone. That arena is going to be gone. They're going to move. Like it's like almost like every day is their last for those right. fans in that stadium. So they get really loud. And the Bruins did not bring their A game. I was I don't know if it was for a lack not of trying. Even, yeah. But it just did not. They didn't show up because that defense. You could tell they quit on a couple pucks. You could tell they Rask, got obliterated. They yeah. got they got they got smacked across the tush, man. <laughs> yeah, I was that Max and I were talking pre-podcast, but that second period where it was just so an bad. onslaught of <laughs> passes going through, and it felt like wow, every pass is going through to the weak side, and it was a goal. Ras can't get to anything right now. The defense can't get to anything right now. Grizzly made a ton of miss, like ton of misses. Grizzly was awful in that game. The Burns have a decision there. I don't know if that that's enough to change their change their mind on Matt Grizzly, but. You got to see, like, how can we shore up that defensive, those defensive pairings? But the real coming out of that series, that loss, the real big question in the air that needs to be answered is what's going to happen to Tuka Rask? What is going to happen? This man for over a decade has been given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And we can say, you know, he had injury he had injuries this year and then in the bubble he had to go have a family situation but in the overall scope of his tenure the Bruins have been great but not enough and it's not like it's one of those things where he's only been able to lead you to a certain point we've gone to the the cusp of some championships championships some hardware every everything you know what i mean like these are actual runs that we made and in all in in most of those cases Tuca does just enough to get you there but he doesn't he hasn't really put us over the top and in some cases he's been a a factor in why we have lost some of the key games Mm. and I can't blame him particularly for this series because after we after the exit interview it was told that he has a torn labrum and that Bruce Cassidy put him out there, which is just the the optics on that situation are just ugly. If I'm Bruce Cassidy, I would be, you know, I would be not coming out of my room for a long time because that's a horrible decision when you it's, know your goalie. Well, right. It's not a good look to say that like, oh, well, we played an injured player knowing that he was injured in hopes of, I don't know, doing something like that's just never a good look to be like, yeah, we forced a guy to play. It's never a good look. And honestly, it would have been easier to in that situation if you had said hey Tuka's hurt let's play the rookie Jeremy Swayman because then people would be like oh yeah I mean if Tuka's hurt like why would we play him but 
he came out before the game and said, Tuca told me he's healthy and we're going to give him another shot. And then, oh, but wait, Tuca really, you know, has been playing with a torn labrum the whole time, had back issues because he's been, you know, playing on a torn labrum the whole time. Like, it's just. Yeah, he's compensating for the injury. Yeah. Compo- it's just all of them are compounding because you keep telling everyone that he's healthy and he probably keeps telling you, no, nah, I got to, you know, I got to, you know, fulfill my legacy and I got to do one of these games and I got to actually like, come through. When, right. No, 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 no. It's not just about you and Tuca. It's not about – it's about the team. Like, the team has made it this far. It's not just Tuca's legacy at this point. Like, if it's time to let go of Tuca, it's time to tell Tuca, hey, we got to move to the kid because he just gives us a better chance to win. That's what your job as a coach is. So he has this year Tuca's contract. He's an unrestricted free agent? Yeah, so he's going to be a free agent once the season ends. And the Bruins have to make a decision on – whether or not they want to keep him, you know, if they do keep him, it's to- he's told us that he's not going to be ready until January, which is that's a lot. That's well into the season. Yeah, it's going to be quite a few months into the season. You're going to start with the kid anyway. If you sign Tuka Rask to another, you know, one year deal, two year deal, what happens if Jeremy Swayman plays well? What happens if Fladar plays well behind him? Because I'm assuming you're not keeping. Yaroslav Halak. At this point, Yaroslav Halak is toast. Like, I think it might as well, you know, just get rid of him. But, like, say the two kids play well. What are you going to do if Tuka comes back and you've paid him money? Are you going to, you know, put him in the back? Are you going to end up starting him because he's Tuka Rask? He has a name value? That's a but big you have decision. To pay him. You have to pay him a lot of money. It's a big decision. I feel like the, the injury and that coming out and him having surgery might tamper his chances – uh, or chances for a massive contract. Yeah, I don't, mm. and I don't think the Bruins would go more than. If you're asking me, I don't think they'd go more than four or five million a year. I think if they give him five million a year, I'd be kind of pissed because that's a that's a name brand contract. That's a guy that oh, you're paying him on name, and you're paying him on you know consistency, but you're not paying him on best chance to win. Right. So right. To me. I'm getting really close to that point where if Tuca doesn't come back on a really team-friendly deal and says, no matter what, I'm giving the number one spot to, to Swayman, and I'm right. okay playing the backup goalie role, then I think it's time to let him go. Because it's, it's, it's been 11, 12 years. How much more can we get out of Tuca Rask? He's taken us to a couple Stanley Cup finals. Yeah, we've, haven't we won with him? We won with him as a backup when Tim Thomas was the goalie. Oh. So that was 2010. That was like the beginning of his run. But then since we oh, made yeah. a couple, we've made a couple finals, but we have not, you know, we've not gone to the the glory. We've not gotten the glory of winning one actually. So we, the game seven still hangs over your head from in St. Louis mm. at, at home. That's just not a good 11 was the last time we won. Wow. Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah, 2010, 2000, yeah, so it's been tough. So I, I don't know. At this point, I think I, I'm I'm almost ready to, to, to leave Tuka and kind of the, the history books because if you had to turn a page, Tuka Rask is part of the old page. I feel like the Bruins are really into sentiment and they're really into holding on to whatever. Like they held on to Chara and they finally had to let him go and it was a tough decision for them. And they still have so much from their old core, from their, you know, they still have so much of their of the the big players from their last cup run, like Bergeron and Marshan, Krejci, those are all the those are the big guys from 
they won when they won in 2011. Mm-hmm. They're still here. So they, they really keep their core together. It's starting to look like they need to chip away to make to make a mark because otherwise they're just going to kind of be in this middling. So you got to start thinking, hey, how can we bring the future up now? Help these guys that you know are on their last couple of years, maybe three, four years, and then see if you can try to win one. But if it's if you don't, at least you have the next guys coming up in the system. It's it's not time to continue with the same group over and over and over and over again. I think Tuka, I think it starts with Tuka Rask. So yeah, well, Tuka, I'm just reading right here. Tuka Rask said um, he feels like there's a lot of like pressure. He said that he doesn't you know read anything about the haters. He said people will say what they want to say. It was just baloney. It doesn't affect my game. He said I, I'm not on social media. I don't read the news because of that. And he also said you know cuz cuz he was asked about Boston's or you know just like New England's desire for their sports teams to win championships he blames the patriots for you know he said the patriots haven't helped anybody in that regard you know i feel like they've won championships every year it seems like and boston only recognizes the championships as like the <laughs> the, the valuable thing so he said that puts a lot of pressure on him and the bruins to win and if they don't win then the haters come out of the woodwork. It, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's, you know, he's like, oh, we're close, but we didn't do it. And he's like, I don't feel like anybody appreciates that. Yeah. I mean, I get what he's saying. I think definitely Boston and New England expects a lot, considering the past 20 years we've been really spoiled. Yes. We want to be title town, boy. But <laughs> the high expectations also, you know, come into effect because if you go out a certain way, it does tell you, hey, was that a good ending? Was that a bad ending? Was that, you know, above expectations, below expectations? Like, we didn't expect anything from the Isaiah Thomas era Celtics. No, we did not. Right? And the 2018 Celtics, 2017-2018 Celtics. Did also ex- did not expect anything from them. Exceeded our expectations. And we were happy. By far. That they, yep. we were happy. Like, obviously, it was crushing when we lost Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. But you lost against LeBron. We hold that team in high regard. We hold all those moments in high regard. So I think it's kind of unfair for Tuca to say that we only expect things. But when you when you're a team that is built a certain way, there's some expectations, especially with hockey, where anyone can really win. The the St. Louis Blues told us that they were horrible in 2019 to start the year. I think they were in, and then they know, won the next year. Yeah, close, and they won the next year. They no, won. They, the half first half of the season, I think they were close to last. Then they came really? back. Yeah, they came back. They got the last uh, playoff spot, and they won the Stanley Cup. It's like sad. they they went on a crazy run to end of the year. And they won the Stanley Cup. So, like, anything can Anybody happen. Anybody can win. Yep. Anybody can win. You just have to be set up, and you just got to be determined and fight for it. And I think, you know, with first-round losses and second-round losses, and those aren't enough for this team, considering the way it's built. So, I think part of it is, like, true in terms of, yeah, there's a lot of expectations, and the fans expect a lot. But also, like, you know, you got to look around. Do you have good players around you? Are you built for a championship? If you are, you should expect that from yourself. You shouldn't just blame the fans. So... Yeah, no, I I I agree. I I agree. I mean, it's you know, if again, if you're going into professional sports and you don't have the expectation of winning, then what are you doing? Right. Go back to the farm league. I just I don't know. When you get to that level, it's just the 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 one goal is like it's not about like oh are you good? Because if you made it to a professional level, like you're good, you've proven yourself. Great job. Even the worst professionals could still kill anybody else for sure in their sport. It's about being organized as a team and bringing home the chip for whatever city you're in. That's just what it becomes about. And that's what people follow. They follow the story. They follow the chase. They follow the pursuit. Yeah, absolutely. 
And you can't say, oh, that's not important. No, because that is important. <laughs> that's what we're it. here for. That's, that's what we're exactly. here for to win. Exactly. Yep. Yep, exactly. All right, so we're going to transition onto something a little bit scandalous. So there is some some scandal in baseball, and Shreyas is going to present this topic to us for me and the listeners who don't know anything about it. Although you may have heard it in your own travels, um, Shreyas is going to talk to us about a scandal happening in baseball right now. So Shrey, it is your time to shine. Yeah, so this this article from Sports Illustrated kind of uncovered a web of in like a lot of intricacies and cheating and you know what is cheating what lies. is not <laughs> a lot of yeah a lot of lies a lot of unwritten rules and baseball is known for their unwritten rules meaning that teams do things a certain way and they don't snitch on each other and they don't call each other out because everyone does it everybody's doing it right, right. Now we have what seems to be the doctoring of baseballs. And doctoring of baseballs, for pitching reasons, have been going on for a long time. People used spit, spitballs. What's a spitball when you spit on it? Yeah, so people use spit. People use Vaseline. What does it do? It makes it harder to catch? So it, it changes the movement. What it'll do is it'll, it'll, if you put it on certain areas and stuff, you're changing the weight of the ball so that it moves a certain way. Interesting. And you can cause what a ball that, you know, may look like a fastball to move differently and kind of look like a knuckleball or it, it just has like a different Just pattern. something different that is not actually is and it goes somewhere that you're not expecting. They're not expecting and the batter is looking at it and it starts out like a fastball. So they're like, all right, fastball, boom, middle in. And nope, it's it curved down. It was definitely rampant in the early 1900s. And then it kind of came back in the, the 60s, the 70s, the modern day pitch doctoring scandal was kind of blown out into the open over the past two weeks by this SI article. They're the, they're the ringer. Yeah. They're covering they, the dirt. They brought the dirt on this one. We've seen articles in the past and blog posts and articles in the past that people have said like, Hey, like, you know, people are using some stuff like pine tar and sunscreen, things like that. They're like, oh, what is kind of, I'm going to stop you right there. What yeah. is pine tar and what is sunscreen and what does that have to do? Well, I know what sunscreen is. What does that have to do with baseball? So these are substances. Pine tar is just a, I think it's a, a carbonized pine material okay. in a high temperature. So they, they carbonized pine wood and they made it into the sticky resin like yeah almost like resin like charcoalish kind of material that they can okay. put on the ball and change the grip and kind of as a pitcher you get better control and you can you can manipulate the ball differently than if you were to just have a dry ball a dry ball right <laughs> okay so these are all substances that pitchers have been using that you know the MLB has, they know it's illegal, but no one in the team level, no one on the field level is really doing anything about it. So this article is published on June 4th. It went into in-depth about how teams and pitchers have basically created these like operations and they give pitchers a massive advantage by doctoring the baseball with substances. And they've just deflated how the MLB, like the, the MLB offense in the modern day. And a lot of these teams, they so they interviewed, uh, SI interviewed a lot of anonymous sources from different AL and NL teams. So 
American League Different, National teams. Really? So they got people to talk? Wow. Yep, they got people to talk, but they they because they're talking about their own teams, they got anonymous quotes. They had and to say, well, because you know what happens to snitches. They get hurt. May or may not get stitches. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, they get stitches, yeah. <laughs> so they yeah, so these teams, like there are players on these teams and there are executives on these teams that are calling this pitch doctoring scandal of new foreign substances on baseballs the new steroid scandal really they're yeah. going so far okay and the, i don't know how much you remember from the steroid era but it got really crazy to how offenses were producing at the time you had people coming out the woodworks winning M- like mvps because they had crazy steroid years you had Barry Bonds hitting over 70 home runs. You had Sosa versus Maguire, both hitting 60 in a year. You had like the amount, like an MLB. Obviously, they knew at the time that things were happening. Like the amount of offense in the 90s and the early 2000s was insane. But they kept it because at the time, the home run race. Offense is fun. Yeah. Offense is fun, right? You get 60 home runs. Holy crap. Like, that's, he yeah. had another one. That's crazy, right? So it's like, it became a thing. But as it started to got like worn down, then you saw, eh, like, I don't really, eh, like, okay, yeah, we saw 50 already. We saw right. 60 already. We saw 70 already. Like, it's all right. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's not, it doesn't give the wow factor anymore. And then you saw MLB go, oh, well, you know, then you saw there was a report, the Mitchell report that kind of, called out every single player or most of the players that had had steroids in their past. So it was, uh, you know, doctors and stuff that had brought up all these players' names. It kind of took the, 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 the stench of baseball, you know, steroid era. Like it, it, you, you felt it then you felt like, okay, now people are aware of it. Now everyone knows it's cheating. Oh, now we can't do it. So the MLB had to take oh, it. And it, it made it, it made it bad because doctors came out and said, like, these oh, guys. this is bad. Well, yeah. So, like, you had people that are administering steroids come out and say, yeah, you know, Jose Canseco is a steroid user. Alex Rodriguez is a steroid user. Wow, the doctors snitched on him? The, the, the administer, yeah. So, it doesn't even, I don't even think it was doctors. It was just the people putting the needle in? Wow. Was, yeah. So, and, I'd fight them. <laughs> you know, that's a sacred bond between. The person who's sticking the needle in your butt and you, you know, and, and I, yeah, I would think that that would be, you know, sacred, a sacred yeah. bond that you have with, you know, the person putting the needle in your butt, but apparently not. So, yeah, so it was actually it was actually a, a third party report that was done and they got all this this info about who was able who was using it and the history of the performance in here, enhancing era in baseball. And that was a big bombshell report at the time. But this. SI report could become the modern day steroid Mitchell report in that it went in depth about how pitchers have been using substances for a long time. So let me give you some, some well, quotes so, from this. Well, so wait, wait, so before, yeah. so before you go, before you hit me with the, with the quotes. So let me just understand. So sports illustrated figured out or got sources that people that said, everybody now is using pine tar on the ball so that pitchers can throw way better way you know just crazy throws and it's Mm. limiting the offense of other teams but everybody does it Mm. so sports illustrated by exposing this issue this issue (laughs) this issue is now claiming that this is like the next big thing where everybody's doing it but it's bad for the sport 
So therefore we need to expose it. Like, is that, that's what's going on. So it's almost like, because they can tell from the statistics that the offense in the MLB throughout the MLB has been horrible this year. Right. They were like, what's going on? They're like, what's going on? Hmm. We've seen a couple people, you know, get kind of caught up in the mess. There was actually a uh, couple minor league baseball pitchers that got suspended for the season because the MLB found that they were using foreign substances on the ball. And then that brought up, Ooh, let's, you know, authors of the SI article, I want to give proper credit, Stephanie Epstein and Alex Pruitt from SI. They, they wrote this article like, yo, it's been happening in the MLB too. And interesting. It's not just pine tar. It's, it was pine tar before we know pine tar has been illegal and people still try to get away with it, but they are literally performing chemistry in these team on these teams to find substances that no one could figure out how they could find adhesives this strong that can help pitchers get a massive advantage over batters almost like batters did in the 90s and the 2000s interesting okay so yeah so let me let me give you a couple quotes they they call it sticky stuff in this throughout this article they 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 refer to just any adhesive type of glueish substance resin 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 and sunscreens there's a particular sunscreen brand that has been used for quite a bit of years called bullfrog sunscreen that when mixed with the red like dry resin like resin powder can create this adhesive that fully gives pitchers advantage and control over the ball and you know make create movement on fastballs that batters have never seen before that's just a it's technically in here. Where is because, this ball coming from? Where is it going? <laughs> yeah, it technically had it, it, their mechanics couldn't teach that type of movement because that's what the power of that that substance is doing. It's not possible. <laughs> it's not. It's literally not possible. But they won't call it out. And I remember this article from before when I when I was looking at oh they were using sunscreen and stuff and the Red Sox were actually a part of a little bit of no it wasn't really a scandal but it was like you know it was a report that. Clay Buckles, the Red Sox pitcher at the time, had been using sunscreen and been kind of, you know, dabbing his arm a little bit, kind of putting it on the ball, whatnot. But they, MLB, didn't, you know, take, didn't need to feel like it warranted any action, action or yep. any bad results for coming about it. And at the time, they said that at least ninety percent of the MLB pitchers were using some sort of sunscreen combination, sunscreen resin combination. Ninety percent. Uh, so then it just becomes part of the sport at that point, really. Yeah, so it's it's become like people like batters just had to get used to it because no one was going to do anything about it. And then in 2014, Michael Pineda, who was a starting pitcher for the Yankees, he got caught with pine tar. But the MLB did it but on national on a national telecast, but the MLB didn't suspend him. They just talked to the Yankees because Hey the, man, could you could you not do this anymore, man? It's just like <laughs> It's like not cool. Can you please just not? Okay, thank you. Yeah, they they didn't do anything because on the other side was John of Farrell. Was, yeah. John Farrell was the the Red Sox manager, and he couldn't say anything because why? Last the year before, his pitchers were caught potentially using something. Doing the same well. thing. Yeah, right. Christ. So you can't the pot calling the kettle black. You can't get into that kind of situation. Yeah, because then the Yankees would have been like, hey, uh, bud, what are you saying? Because well, yeah. uh, your guys do it too. <laughs> and then it becomes a he said, he becomes a Spider-Man meme. He said, she said, and everybody's pointing and they're like, well, you're using pine tar and you're using pine tar. Well, that's, 
Yeah, oh, I, seen, I know exactly. What have you mean. seen the Spider-Man meme where it's a? It's not just two of them. It's like a circle of Spider-Man. It's a. They're all pointing at <laughs> each other. It's all pointing yeah. at each other. It's, it's every MLB. MLB team. That's if someone snitches. That's the ML, That's the MLB at that point, right? So, so yeah. you've seen it happen. Everybody except for the Astros, because we know how <laughs> honest they are. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. That that's kind of crazy with what the Astros, how the Astros kind of fit into this. Well, there's a quote from uh, an unnamed. NL pitcher or an NL team that one of the pitchers in the NL or was, they found that a ball was so sticky that when an opponent tried to pull the glue off and I'm reading exactly from the article. So this is a quote when an opponent tried to pull the glue off three inches of the seams of the bat of the baseball came off with it. Hello. <laughs> that is how, that is how sticky the substance was, was that when they tried to rip it off, the freaking seams on the ball exploded. That's insane. That's insane. It literally, it honestly might be so sticky that it could stick to the bat when you hit it. it, it well, a lot of these things, like pine tar, was so that batters could hold on to the bat and it wouldn't slip out of their hands. And you could put it on your helmet. Like, it just like there were so many things that, like, you know, were common among players that they were using. That's how sticky it was, is because it helped you get a good grip. But now pitchers are basically dripping in this stuff over the ball that it's causing such a massive havoc over over how like what is what is too much what is ed, what is enough adhesive right so it's become like you give someone you give someone the power and then they just are like oh well what if i just did this to this and then also added that oh wow that's even more and then they just gained their own power because you gave them a little bit of leeway so that's what's happening now so i see you know what you know what i think yeah you know what i think yeah Get rid of this because if you're bringing offense down, like we talked about, remember we had that whole episode. And if you guys haven't listened to it, we have a whole episode on the pace of baseball Mm -hmm. and why games are too long and what could potentially be done about it. What I think, here's my take. I think that we should get rid of the pine tar, go back to steroids. Oh, because we want more offense. We don't want to make it harder. I mean, cool pitching is cool, right? But if you're making the ball move in impossible ways, don't do that. Go back to regular pitching, reintroduce steroids. I want to see home runs. But do you see, and this is, this comes up a lot in the article too, but do you see why the pitchers would be angry? Because they think, oh, well, the batters got away with it for so long. So when we try to do no, it, oh, now, we, now yeah. it's our turn. Like, I don't give a crap. And at least this isn't hurting my body. That's come up a couple of times in that article. Is that, that really what the argument is? The wow. argument, well, their argument is that, <laughs> The argument is that hey, with steroids, like you're adding anabolic steroids to your body, increasing the amount of muscle mass, and but it, so it's affecting your body and it's going to hurt you adversely later on in your life, right? But with these substances, all you got to do is wash your hands. That is what pitchers are saying. Why they continue to use it if they are like really in into you know, deep on the stuff. You're right. The pitchers are the most caring people. I'm so glad that they're concerned. <laughs> For the well-being of the bodies of their opponents' batters. <laughs> that really, it warms my heart to see. You know, in, in a world that's so twisted these days, it's so good to see that these MLB pitchers care about the well-being and health of their teammates and opponents. That it's is, a, it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> I'm so glad, so glad that they brought that up. Wow. Thank you. That's insane. Yeah. I can't believe that they actually think that that's a base for their argument. 
it's yeah, it's well, it's these pitchers that are in too deep, and a lot of these teams too are. There's some quotes from the pitchers that there have been pitching coaches and their team and some executives that have said, "Hey, you know, everyone does it. You know, if I would really say highly suggest that you do it because you're kind of a you're kind of behind the curve at this point." So like they're it's telling all, pitchers this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's become crazy because that's, ex- and I thought of this too, that's the exact reason why everyone went into steroids. When is was- steroids? Yeah. You're like, oh, well, again, Barry Bonds is doing it. And if you want to be like him and you want to start hitting some homers, why don't you just start Do- taking some roids? Yeah, right. exactly. And it's so crazy that kind of like internal peer pressure because mm. it, it's affecting how players think about their own security, like their own job security, because say they, you know, do the quote unquote moral thing to do. And like, it's not up to me to say what's moral, what's not, but like say the quote unquote moral thing to do and not use any of these substances for pitching or not use steroids. Well, I mean, you're not hitting 40 homers and 50 homers like Sosa and McGuire are every year. So what, what are you going to do? Are you going to, you want to be in this league? Cause yeah. Yeah. Like, and, like, and, and of course ten- anybody, and that I, will, I mean, that's asking somebody to do something for the right price and everybody, I mean, mm-hmm. mostly everybody, unless you are a Buddhist monk or somebody who is completely detached, like everybody has a price. Yeah. You know, if they said go up and lie to a group of children for $5 million, <laughs> a lot of people do that. A lot that. of people if they do said, it. go lie to everybody you know for $50 million, a lot of oh, people would do more that. More people would do it, yeah. And so it, if they're telling, essentially, if they're telling these pitchers, if they're saying, do you like your job, right? Do you want to be good? Do you want to stay in this league? Do you want, essentially, the $5 million you're going to make this year? These guys are going to say yes. So tough to make that decision, if, especially if you want to play the right way. Like, so, there are players in this article, too, that have said, like, I don't want to cheat. Like, I like I. I have not used any of this stuff. And, and I kind of believe them because there are people out there that know that if their name is caught on any of these reports that are probably going to come out soon, right? Of pitchers, you know, using these these substances. There's there's a couple names of these substances too. Spider tack is a big one. And Max, you'll really like this. Spider tack. Do you know what it's actually used for? I don't know if you, you were able to, to look this up. Actual spider tack? No, I don't. Spider tack. No. So spider tack, and I had no idea before, it's a glue intended for the world's strongest man competitions. Really? So they use it when they're, you know, you know, those like massive concrete balls that they have to carry and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. all those stuff. So they use it because the human wingspan can't cover that massive radius that so they have to have some sort of adhesive and they just focus on, you know, the lifting part, which is the hard part. They don't really care that it stuck stick onto your hands. This stuff can can lift a cinder block just by putting their palm on it. That's insane. That's how sticky this stuff is. So they're using stuff that are used in world strongest men competitions. They're using like there's other names: Tyra Sticky Grip, Firm Grip Spray. Pelican Grip Dip. These are like Pelican th- Grip Dip. Like. <laughs> They're using stuff that literally is like there's a team too. It's it's this is crazy. This is one of the nuts parts of this. Is there was a there was a report that a team hired a chemist internally to conti- to create and and research 
the making of new substances and new substance compounds. They hired. Oh my god! They it's hired, so entrenched. A, it's so they hired so Walter White. They hired Walter White. They literally have a meth head cooking up freaking glues and dips and <laughs> sticks and glue tapes and what? In, like, in vapes? what? I feel in like vape apparel. <laughs> I feel like Doctor Seuss. Whatchamacallits and doohickeys and thingamajigs. I know, Shreyas. No, you can't. You can't mention. He's canceled. Oh, he's canceled. canceled. Yeah, sorry. Oh, right, right. My bad, my bad, my bad. Dr. Seuss is gone. (laughs) No, but yes, no, you're right. You're the doohickeys and the boobickies. Yeah. Yeah. Insane, right? So, like, that kind of story where you're freaking, like, it's almost like reality show stuff at this point. Is It's so, they brainwashed the sport to think this is the only way to do it. And that going, like, if you don't adhere to these rules, you're gone. Like you're not going to have a job. And a lot of these guys, if they choose to not use it and say they their stats done. aren't as it's good, it's like the mafia. They're done. And they're gone, yep. right? Well, when all the reports come out and all these people get you know terminated because for because of these teams were like because you, you know, can't cheat. Yeah, they were using it. What happens to the guy that didn't get a job before because he didn't want to do it? He can't come back. Well, that's that's the immorality of the whole situation. Yeah, right? it's, it's not crazy. even just. That's actually that's a good point that you bring up. It's not just the fact that they're doing it and that everybody's doing it. It's that the people who are getting screwed by not doing it because, excuse me, you're not part of the cool kids. You're not part of the cool group. That's who it sucks for. Yeah. Because, right, because then they can't, they're not just going to come back in the league. They're not going to, you know, the league isn't going to call and be like, hey, yeah, yeah, we're sorry. Uh, you can come back now. Like, that's not how it's going to work. It's not going to work They're just way. done. And- yeah. And I want to talk about one particular case before we wrap up, and that's this pitcher. His name is Trevor Bauer. He's a the star pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers now. He's on what is considered the highest paid pitching contract on a yearly basis in MLB history. So he's getting three years for $102 million. He, in the past, has called out cheating. And when we were talking about the Astros, right, he was yeah. one of the first people to call out Hey, the Astros are doing some fishy with you know the garbage kids. I'm hearing noises and stuff. Like, why don't the MLB go and figure that out? And he he he's very active on Twitter, and people have been thought you know thought he's refreshing for you know using his voice to to stop rampant cheating in the league and things like that. And at the time, people were you know really fans of his because like they were cheering him like when he was a pitcher in the Reds because you know he called out the Astros like that's great like now the Astros are the laughing stock of the league. Well, one of the stats that has been used to capture the use of substances has been this spin rate stat. And what spin rate is, it it it's this major statistic. It it provides validity for this case against pitch doctoring, and it's basically how many rotations per minute that the ball can spin at that can if at an increased rate can change the movement of certain balls. Like a ball can look like it's a fast four seam fastball, but then if the higher the spin rate, it can rise while still being the same pitch, and you know batters will swing under it because they don't recognize that it's going to rise. Trevor Bauer in 2015 had a spin rate of a little bit below 2250 rotations per minute. In 2019, that jumped up to over 2400. In 2021, it is now 2835 RPM in terms of spin rate. And now wow. I'm, I'm I'm asking myself, the mechanics aren't really changing, but in that time period, 
He won an NL Cy Young. He had the best ERA in baseball. He got a three-year, $102 million contract, right? And we can't, you know, when we're talking about doctoring pitches, we're talking about all this stuff, right? If people are saying 80 to 90% of people are using some sort of stuff, there are no sacred cows. There are no, oh, we can't go after this person because he called him out. So we got to look. he's so blatantly cheating, can't you just nail him? Yeah, so it's like, but like at the, but like over the past couple of weeks, right? Like, and over the past couple of years, even, no one wants to call each other out, right? So Trevor Bauer and we, there's another name mentioned. Garrett Cole is a star pitcher for the Yankees who has high spin rates from the past year. Right. They they have been kind of put into the, the forefront of this conversation because it looks like that they're using it. It looks like their spin rates are going up dramatically. But now it's, it, it's insane. He Before the spin rate jumped, I, this is a stat from from the article, he had an ERA of 404, and that was he had a batting average that was 228 opponent batting average that was 228th in the league. 228 pitches were better based on hits on contact. Since the increase, he has the MLB best opponent batting average. So he's he's causing more outs than ever, more strikeouts than ever. He's he's not allowing hits at all. And it's it, it kind of comes down to hmm. So you're gonna call out these people, but when it comes down to your star player because he he brings in money and that's who people go to watch. Yeah, they yeah, can, but, you can't. And but as even as Trevor Bauer, like he calls out the Astros, but he's obviously not going to call it himself because it got him the big contract, it got him the awards, the accolades, right? And, well, then it just becomes what you said. It's the he said, she said, and mm-hmm. everybody's guilty. Everybody's guilty. Everybody's, everybody's got gu- blood on their hands. Everybody's guilty. It's insane. Yeah, the top three teams in spin rate percentage jumps in spin rate percentage increases or from last year to this year are the Dodgers, the White Sox, and the Red Sox. And those teams, the Dodgers have had, Trevor Bauer has had some trouble over the past couple of weeks since this report has come out with, you know, controlling his ball. He, I think yesterday he gave up six earned runs. So, you know, his control is not getting there. Garrett Cole has had a little bit of trouble. The Red Sox have had, I think, a team – pitching staff ERA of like over eight. They're getting like over eight earned runs average. Insane since this report has come out. It's kind of getting like, this is kind of getting interesting of how useful this stuff was for pitchers. And if the MLB is going to absolutely bash this to the ground, it's going to be interesting to see how these pitchers cope because they're probably so hooked on it, like a drug Yeah, of how they pitch with it that you're probably going to see a lot of these pitches come down to earth in what was considered for the first couple months of the season, one of the greatest pitching seasons. Only well, did, if only did we know that this was all really like we knew a it little was based bit. off of a substance. It's not actually him. Yeah. It's we knew a little bit. Him. We didn't know it was bang this much that until bad. this report came out, which is insane. So that's the one thing I kind of want to end on was like, we'll see what the MLB comes up with. It's so it, interesting. It could be the next big steroid scandal. It and could we be. will see. Time will be. tell. Yeah. What are the what are the penalties? That's gonna be interesting to see what comes out after this. Only time will tell. We will see what will happen. We'll see if anybody gets caught. If nobody gets caught, I'm gonna say that somebody will be the scapegoat, but it's probably not gonna be Bauer. It it's I just don't think I it's like if LeBron, it's like when LeBron got caught for COVID, mm. it's like you you just can't when it's your star person. I mean that realistically it's a business, right? At the end of the day, it's about who brings the fans to the seats, who brings the money to the table, who's who's out there making the bread. 
So we will see again, especially if everybody's doing it, they might just say, oh, well, we're doing a thorough analysis and Pine Tar has been banned, you know, and it, like, and we have issued fines for blatant violations, da, 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 but at the end of the day, nothing changes. It's, so we'll yeah, see. so it's, it's, a, it's time for the MLB to put their nuts on the table. And I agree. Let's see what happens. (laughs) All righty. Well, you have been listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with Trace. And we will see you next time. Peace.